0: Welcome to the Spreaker Live. This is episode number three for June seventeenth, two thousand fifteen. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening to us live or on demand as a podcast. I appreciate it. My name is Rob Greenley, and I'm the head of content at Spreaker. Joining us on on the line for, for the show this week is uh, is a great guest, uh, and he's a longtime podcaster. His name is Jared Easley, who's also a host of a podcast called StarveTheDoubts.com. And he's also a co-founder and and organizer of the Podcast Movement Conference at PodcastMovement.com in Fort Worth, Texas, coming up uh, July 31st through August 2nd. Jared, welcome to the show. Hey Rob, it's a
1: pleasure to be live with you on Spreaker, and I want to say we were talking about this earlier. You're in Washington State, and I'm in South Florida, so we're basically on the opposite ends of the country.
0: Yeah, and we're somehow able to uh, do this all live, you know, but you know, on both coasts at the same time. It's a, uh, it's amazing the technology that exists in the podcasting era now. So we can, we can do this kind of stuff. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast that you're doing, and how long uh, you've been doing it, and a little bit about the the whole podcast movement conference that's coming up
1: well i'll admit i feel like i'm a a little bit in the stone ages because i'm still pre-recording my podcast but now i'm doing it live with you i'm like man there's there's another way maybe i need to look at this but uh, i do a show as you mentioned it's called starve the doubts and i'm just a hobby podcaster i started that show over two years ago it's now over 200 episodes and the idea in the beginning was could i interview and have conversations with people that have had um Various levels of success and share how they navigated self doubt in that process. You know, now I can say years, which is kind of funny to say that, uh, even though it's two. Um, I've learned a lot. I've pivoted a number of times and then I've had moments where I felt like, man, this show is just not it doesn't have momentum. It's not really working. And then I see spikes that encourage me. And so, yeah, I've, I've experienced almost every type of podcaster emotion that's out there uh, throughout the history or the brief history of the show so far. So I can relate to a lot of people who are listening who are wanting to improve their shows, who are wanting to, to try something a little bit different, be creative. Uh, so I've got a few examples of how we've done that with Star of the Doubts. I'm looking forward to the possible of sharing that today. And then, as you mentioned, uh, the Podcast Movement Conference, that's something that uh, started last year. And my business partner, Dan Franks, and there's a couple of us that are involved in that conference. Uh, we wanted to see if we could put together an event that was specific for podcasters at the time. There was uh, maybe a couple of regional events here and there, but nothing uh, quite uh, national, and, and, and I guess in this case now, international. So, Uh, long story short, we we decided we were going to attempt to do that. And we did a Kickstarter crowdfunding campaign, Uh, had success with the campaign, got advice along the way and put put out the first event last year. Uh, It was what we would consider very successful. And fast forward now, uh, we're going for year two uh this summer and rob you're going to be a part of that event
0: yeah i'm going to be moderating a a panel called podcasting um past present and future is the panel and we're, we have some great uh panelists there that were f- from the past of podcasting as well as kind of looking into the future so it, it should be a, a great event in fort worth i'm really really looking forward to it i think it, it, you guys have a lot of great speakers and uh, the topics and like you know the the whole Hall of Fame thing that's going on with that, and the the podcast awards. I think it's you know it's a complete package for just podcasters, and I think it's fantastic.
1: Well, I appreciate that, Rob. It means a lot to have someone of your caliber involved, and yeah, it's going to be a good time. You you and I both are going to get to hang out with a lot of our podcaster friends and uh, learn from experts in the industry as well. So it's going to be a good time.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, I wanted to also m- mention here that uh, this show that we're doing, the Speaker Live Show, is to support the podcaster community with tips and advice. And bringing on, you know, some hosts like Jared here who can offer some real-world advice based on, you know, his own experience. And other, other guests um, from the, the audio broadcasting world to, to help you make a better podcast on Spreaker or on any platform, really. You know, we normally do this show every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. The show is now also, you know, live and available in iTunes. It's not streaming live in iTunes, but it's available on iTunes for you to go uh, and just search Spreaker Live Show, and and you should find it right away. And we we also want your feedback and thoughts on topics covered in this show. Send questions or comments to podcasts at spreaker.com, or just send a tweet to at uh, spreaker.com. Um, on, on Twitter um, using the hashtag SpreakerLive. And if you have a tech support question, uh, f- feel free to send a, an email to support at spreaker.com. Or if you just want to send me an email... Uh, just send it to Rob, R-O-B at Spreaker.com. And I'd be happy to answer your question and also talk about it on on the show in a future episode. So, well, well, Jared, let's, let's move on and, and cover what we're going to talk about in the rest of the show here. So we're going to cover some podcasting news of the week. Also, we're going to have a producer tip of the week, uh, and it's going to be picking a podcast show format. And then we're we're also gonna have a listener Q and a of the week, uh, uh, we got a, a comment from a listener uh, in our last week's show on a topic there. And then we're, we're also going to have an interview with Bertrand Picuri, who's going to be calling from Paris, who's the CEO of the Gen Summit. He runs a global network of journalists and editors, and that conference is starting actually today in Barcelona, Spain, and our our CEO, Spreaker, is actually going to be on a panel. He's probably done with the panel by now, but um, I'm not exactly sure on the actual timing of that, but what they cover is the prototyping of the future of news. So it's all about audio, and um, it's it's going on the 17th through the 19th. So anyway, that's going to be later in the show, probably at uh, like 28 minutes. Into the show here, we're we're going to have that in here. Uh, so, Jared, let's uh, let's talk about podcasting news of the week. Apple <laughs> Apple has announced their Apple Music Radio um, app um, on Android, which I thought was really really interesting. There, there's been a lot of rumors that Apple was going to have a podcasting app on Android. So I don't know that's just a rumor, but you can kind of see some movement there, right?
1: Well, I wanted to ask, what does that mean, Rob? Like. I, I think what that means is is that's good for podcasters, uh, especially for, for listeners who are using Android devices. But I, I truthfully don't know what impact that could have, and I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Um, I don't know that I can picture that in my mind. Can you maybe elaborate?
0: Yeah, I think what it really, I mean, it's just really as simple as, as um, if Apple is moving their music service over to Android, um, What's the chances that they may move podcasting over to Android too and offer an app that offers the same podcast experience that is currently available on the the Apple devices, but on Android devices? So the example that I I like to reference is that Apple did that with Windows, right, back um, a long time ago with the iTunes software, and put that over on Windows, and it gathered up a huge group of new users for the Apple ecosystem, from the, the Windows side of things. And Android is a very similar situation. Android has a huge market base of, of users. And um, Apple can certainly, you know, get some customers over there.
1: Absolutely. I'm surprised that that has not happened already. So I'm definitely encouraged to hear that that's on the horizon or it sounds like it is. And, yeah, I think that's going to be a a huge benefit to all podcasters for sure. And people who like to listen to podcasts, they'll want to be able to access that iTunes podcast uh, store, if you will. And, yeah, this is a good thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if Apple does pull the trigger on this, I mean, it could be a game changer in the podcasting space because uh, that's a big it's a big weakness in the space right now that uh, um, Android just doesn't have the the same level of adoption of podcast listening that uh, the the iOS platform or the the Apple platform has today. It's like a, almost like a six to one ratio uh, people listening to podcasts on iOS versus Android. So it, it's just a huge upside potential for the podcasting space. So there's another Rob,
1: can I? Yeah. can I ask you a quick question about that? Sure. All right, so currently, as a hobbyist podcaster, I when I think of Android, I'm thinking, okay, I, I'm going to have something. I'm going to have my show on Stitcher Radio. There's some uh, advice out there that you want to have an actual app of your own show in Android. I, I use uh, you know, other tools like Spreaker and SoundCloud. Um, is there anything else that I should be doing uh, to to uh, Get those Android listeners, or, or be available for them that we currently have available.
0: I know that uh, there's there's a big focus on that right now in the industry to to get better podcast listening experiences on Android. The the Android Auto um, kind of kind of thing, or Google Auto, is an area that uh, you know it's going to be built into cars, right? So a lot of the apps that are created for the the Android platform will will be you know potentially enabled in the cars so you have some opportunity in there I think for podcasting to do well with you know like apps like Stitcher and and other apps that are currently written for the Android operating system just like you know Spreaker has one as well um, so you know I think th- there isn't really anything that we can do um, really to To do that ourselves, I think from a podcaster community, there's really not much um, other than just make sure that your podcast is in all those apps that are on Android. So I think that's that's the biggest thing.
1: Oh, fair enough. I feel like I'm in the right place then. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, there is, you know, a lot of news and a lot of activity around, um, you know, public radio podcasting, right? Or uh, and there's an event going on back in New York called Podcasts. Lollapalooza is happening on July 29th. It's called a cast party. It's in New York City at Skirtball Center with Radiolab and Reply All, and it's at castparty.com. So there's all these events that are coming up, and Podcast Movement is one of them. I mean, you you guys are are having many events all, all around the the country to support podcasting. Do you see this as a as kind of like an Uber trend that we're we're going to see this grow more, where there's podcast events and festivals and things like that?
1: Yeah, I, I think it is likely, and and it sounds like this particular cast party event that you described. It's. Um, it's more for podcast listeners. I might be wrong about that, mm-hmm. and that's a differentiator between that and podcast movement, where podcast movement, at least in its current form, is more for the actual podcaster. This is a place we can go and get training and, and um, get some advice and grow what you're doing or get advice to get started, That, um, regardless of level of skill. The cast party intrigues me because we're starting to see more live opportunities for podcast, and um, there's a show, I'm, I may butcher the name, but I think it's called Welcome to Nightville, and they have a road show. They actually travel around the country and do a show in theaters, and I, it's like, wow, is that is that the next step for podcasters? Maybe it is. I, I, I think uh, we've seen some of these other events like LA PodFest and stuff uh, where they're having live podcasting, and, and so I think the cast party is a very cool thing. If I was in New York, I'm not, unfortunately, but if I was, I would definitely try to attend this. I think it's uh, a cool thing for pod and for podcast listeners,
0: yeah, I think uh, I mean even just having live events, right, where you actually record an episode, in, on, like on stage at a theater or in a nightclub or at a comedy house or or, or wherever. I'm seeing that happen more and more too. Actually, I got it got an invite here in Seattle to go um, to a, a live recording of a podcast here in Seattle for the the air raid podcast. And it's it's really exciting to, to see that stuff develop and, and happen more often. Jared, did you know that Shaq, you know, the, the NBA basketball player, he now has a podcast?
1: All right. So we know that Shaq is a big dude. So Rob, would you qualify this as big podcasting news?
0: It doesn't get too much bigger than this, I don't think, right?
1: <laughs> um, well, I, I'm happy to hear that Shaq is doing this. I, I think it's cool to see more people who are mainstream that are getting involved with podcasting. And then certainly Shaq, uh, I think almost everyone, at least in the United States knows about Shaq. Most people do. And so for him to be podcasting, I think that's great for the, the medium as a whole.
0: Yeah. The podcast is called The Big Podcast with Shaq. And it's actually a podcast one program. I've listened to it. It's actually pretty good. I think that uh Shaq does a does a does a great job. He's got like a co host, you know, that kind of leads the show a little bit. He's more of a kind of a broadcaster type of guy. But he's, sure. but he's kind of like a guy that Shaq can kind of riff off of, you know, and and, and talk. So I enjoyed listening to it. So go go check it out. Yeah, I want to also mention that uh, Spreaker has a new design on their, their blog. It's at blog.spreaker.com. We have a feature up there for a podcast that's hosted on our platform called the If I Were You Show uh, it's actually rocking on Spreaker with uh, you know a million downloads and doing doing really well. It's a show that's based out of uh, Los Angeles. And speaking of shows that travel to do live events, these guys travel all around the world. Actually, this past week they were down in Australia doing live events, uh, and then they actually are, you know record those at the live venues and publish those as podcast episodes. So it's actually a really cool idea, and, and I'm seeing more shows do that. Let's move on from the podcasting news of the week and talk about our tip of the week. So what I wanted to talk about here was picking a podcast short show format. Um, so as you think about creating a podcast, there's, there's a lot of different formats that people have tried out there, and some of them are kind of funny too. I don't know if you saw the, this list, Jared, but uh, you, you know, like solo casts, uh, one-on-one casts, Two co-hosts and one one guest cast, uh, lead a lead with a crowd cast, an animal house, crazy, funny cast. Uh, it's kind of like a drive time show. Now, these are all mm-hmm. kind of formats, right? On stage casts, like we were just talking about, uh, before a live audience or a live streaming show like this one. Um, it, and then also kind of the, the, the next phase here is... Is uh, a scripted show or unscripted show? This show is fairly scripted, but I you and I were just talking about this kind of what what's the difference between a, a scripted show and an unscripted show? I think it's it's just how disciplined you are about covering certain topics and trying to drive you know uh, value to, to your listener. So as you think about all of these different formats, what what format did you get pulled towards or feel? Compelled towards, because everybody has kind of their own special skill set, right?
1: Absolutely, Rob. I, when I started my podcast, I was thinking the the one-on-one interview, which you described, and my mindset at the time was I wasn't an expert, and in podcasting I felt like, well, since I'm not an expert, what am I going to say? What am I going to share? And the, uh, the concept of being the interviewer, being the uh, reporter, where I could have a conversation with someone and, and gather some knowledge from them and share that would be valuable to a podcast audience. And so I attempted that approach, and the uh, the, the particular strategy that I tried, which I don't necessarily recommend. It just depends on, on where you are with your podcast if you're wanting to do interviews. I t- attempted to go out and get what I considered big guests, like the people that uh, I would be really impressed with myself if I got a chance to talk to. And the Cool thing was that a number of those folks, Rob, were willing to be a guest on the show, so that was a win, and I had those conversations with them, but the problem was I I had believed in my mind that if I had someone who uh, was a high achiever who had a a big notoriety or something along those lines, that if they were a guest on the show, they would – uh share that show with their network and then there'd be a kind of a transfer of networks where people from their network would find out about what I was doing and then kind of come and check out my show and stick around and uh I, I was very sadly mistaken Uh, with that strategy. So I would say if you're doing a one-on-one interview, you know, go for the interviews that make sense, that add value to the audience, but don't necessarily assume that that guest is, it's not their responsibility to grow your network or grow your show. And that was a little lesson that I had to learn. And um, I I think the two takeaways that I, I had from the interview and at least in the podcast that I do called Star of the Doubts, was what worked for me better than anything else, Rob, and I'm sure you could speak to this, is the first thing that worked really well was noticing the ideal listener. Uh, So regardless of whether you're doing a solo cast or an interview or you're doing co-hosting or whatever approach you're taking, the more that you can interview, or excuse me, the more that you can notice the listener, that seems to be very powerful where like strategic mentions, when Rob mentions uh, somebody's name on the show and then he met, he messages them, hey, I mentioned you on the show. They go back and listen to it and they get excited. Rob Greenley shared my name on the show and they're they potentially listening to it. They're potentially sharing it with their network or their family. Um, it, it, just a cool a thing happens when you mention other people. And of course you do it with authenticity and sincerity. But I remember my aunt back in the day, Rob, she'd bust out the home movies and I never cared about the home movies unless I was in it. And, and so that's what I would say to podcasters is how can you involve your audience or the, the audience that you want to have? How can you mention them? How can you notice them? And the other thing that really helped me with my show, uh, again, I think this is valid for any format that you choose, is to collaborate. Don't just try to do everything yourself. The The more opportunities you have to collaborate with other people, it is likely that it will increase the visibility of the show and also increase uh, the likelihood of success of the show. So uh, that could be – to your point. That could be a co-hosted situation, Rob. That could be an interview with a guest. That could be a panel where you're sharing advice from a panel. Um, that could be a round table. Uh, there, there's a number of ways to look at that. But another way is if it's, if it's just you doing a solo, we talked about how you could mention your audience. And then also, don't try to do everything yourself. Some people are, are um, committed to editing their show, but maybe they're not good at editing. Uh, maybe it makes sense to have someone help you with that. I mean, that these are little examples, but try to find help where it makes sense uh where you can get that help uh don't try to do everything yourself don't try to be superman i've seen a lot of really good people with good intentions start podcasts, and they they end up not being consistent with the show and the show pod fades because they just didn't get help and i think they could have gotten help it wouldn't have been too brutal to ask or or seek out a few little maybe someone to edit their show or someone to help them with their show notes or uploading or whatever that is they could have gotten that help they chose not to for maybe they felt they couldn't get the help they wanted or I don't know what reason but then their show didn't last and I think that was kind of a shame uh, so so I would encourage people number one mention and notice your audience and then collaborate when possible I think those are two good tips that regardless of the format you choose are going to set up your show to to do better than it would just on your own
0: yeah I agree with that advice wholeheartedly I think you know getting your audience involved in your show is is really important to do and it's it's not always easy to do either because I mean especially when you start out I I mean, even, even this show, it's, it's a matter of being out there and being regularly you know, available as a show. And, and that audience starts to see that there's engagement coming from the, the audience. And, right, and then as that, um, that listener becomes more personally connected with the hosts and the, the guests and things like that, then they come back on a regular basis and they feel part of the, the family right, of that show and, and feel free. It's almost like creating a new friend. And you have to foster that, and you have to um, refer to them specifically, um, not just you know all of you or whatever. You're speaking to one person um, when they're listening to your show, and it's it's a hard thing to you know a lot of broadcasters don't get this either that you are speaking to one person. And Now, granted, if you're doing like a like a television show, you're you can be speaking to a group of people that are watching the TV, but a podcast is you're speaking to one person. Uh, and that's that's the key thing to keep in mind and making that connection. The other type of format too that I wanted to mention too is pre-recorded segments. So, so some people can, and this show is a little bit of an example. I, I pre-recorded the interview that we're going to play a little bit later in the show, and that can be played while you're doing the show live, or it can be cut and paste into your you know your WAV file or your, or your MP your final final show that you upload. And then also the the other part too is editing, right? Uh, Some people uh, feel like they need to edit everything that they do. So it it really depends. So Jared, do you edit your your program?
1: Yeah. You know, Rob, I started out editing and, and that's where I was a bottleneck. I was having problems getting shows out because editing was not my strength. It never was. Yes, I got better after multiple episodes, but eventually over time I realized that just wasn't something that I felt uh, I should be doing and that I, I sought out help. I ultimately found someone that helps me edit my show now, and I have zero problem handing that over to them. They do a great job, and it saves me tons of time. So I, that's another thing to consider is, is if editing's not your strength, it may make sense to have help. So at a bare minimum, you could stay consistent with releasing your show. Rob, I know you agree. Consistency is really important, yeah. when you're, especially when you're starting a new show.
0: Yeah, and I also wanted to mention the the distinction between a solo cast and a one-on-one interview or actually a two or three person show there's there's definitely t- to do a solo cast i think takes a different talent than being able to do let's say a a group podcast i mean even like this one th- th- this is kind of like a one on one type of podcast so you kind of um, uh, you know i know some people you know like Todd Cochran who does the Geek News Central podcast he's been doing that for 10 years and it's just him in front of a microphone speaking to an audience, right? and Or speaking to an individual. And that that's how he produces that show every week. But then there, there are shows like this. I mean, I don't feel comfortable doing a solo cast. I mean, I, I tried to do one for a while, and it, it just didn't feel comfortable to me. So I was, you know, I always have to be surrounded by other smart and talented people around me that can I can talk to, right? And I can have a conversation with. That feels more comfortable to me. So is that kind of your your view on it too i mean what's your thought on a solo cast
1: i i, I call the solo cast a monologue podcast which yeah. is the same it's the same idea i personally have not gotten into that because like you I enjoy uh, involving more people than just myself and I found that the podcast episode tends to get shared more often on social media and stuff when there's more than just one person involved but I I, I do think that solo casts have a lot of value in the sense of creating if creating expertise is something that you value and something that you want as a goal for your podcast doing a solo cast or a monologue is a, a powerful way to share your expertise and to share your knowledge. And that, I believe, increases the perception of people saying, hey, Rob Greenley is an expert. You know, I've heard him talk about this. So, you know, I I don't think you're going to go wrong with any of these formats. I think over time, uh, you know, if you stick with something long enough, people kind of look at you as someone who knows what they're doing. And regardless of the format, uh, I agree with you, though, Rob, I prefer more of uh, engagement involvement with other people rather than just doing it solo.
0: And then there's always the the Animal House crazy fun casts, um, which is always uh, the only problem with those. And I think radio has this problem too, is that uh, it's so hard to know who's talking, right? I mean, if you have like four people in the studio, right? And everybody's riffing off of each other and telling jokes and, and, and laughing. It can be fun to listen to, but I think it's difficult to connect with any individual in a show like that. So, you know, that's part of that the issue that I think that radio has in transitioning over to podcasting is that oftentimes those formats are, are, are not really conducive to to personal relationships. They're, I mean, it's just noise.
1: Well, one, one podcast I've listened to, Rob, that I found does a really good job with this type of approach, uh, I call it this type of approach, is a show called Relevant Magazine. Mm-hmm. And, and so it might be worth people just checking that out, whether or not they enjoy the content is, is one thing. But just to hear how they do it, I think they've done a good job of... of you know, separating the voices, uh, getting to the point, having fun, entertaining and informative, all the things that we love in a podcast, uh, but not losing, you know, know, losing track of what's going on because of the multiple voices like you described, Rob. So I think there's uh, some shows that get it and some shows that, man, that's that's an area they need to improve on.
0: Yeah, exactly. So let's uh, move on here and talk about our listener question of the week or comment of the week in this particular case. Uh, Our second episode, we talked about the core elements of a successful podcast. We got a comment back from a speaker producer who wanted to give us some feedback on on, on those topics because we covered that pretty extensively. The producer's name is Kevin Kierstead, and he does a podcast called "Or Truth on Tap" is the name of the uh, of the show, and it's on it's on Spreaker. And he's been doing a few hundred episodes. He said he said I'd like a, to add a few suggestions. I've picked up um, on some things in the the few hundred episodes that he's done, and and the first one is is to uh, get a quality microphone and also a good mixer one that probably doesn't have a lot of uh, background sound like I use a Mackie mixer here it's like a, it's an eight channel mixer so do you do you use a mixer Jared yourself?
1: <laughs> I, I have a mixer I am currently not using it for this particular broadcast I am using an Audio Technica microphone plugged in USB right into the PC. Now, I know some people are, are just groaning right now, like, oh, oh but that's, 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 that is my setup for this particular broadcast, and I have no shame. I'm, I'm proud to have the simplicity of that setup today.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any any problem with that. I, I mean, I think getting a mixer adds a lot of complexity um, to, to getting this all set up, like I'm trying to do here. I've got two Skype computers that are plugged into a Mackie mixer, and and I'm, I'm doing this whole live thing and then recording it and all this kind of stuff. So uh, it can get complicated getting this stuff set up. Uh, but once you do get it set up, it can be pretty cool to have that as a capability to, to be able to bring in, you know, lots of voices into your, your podcast and bring in co-hosts and things like that, like we're we're doing here. And then also he said, um, Kevin said, to get rid of ums and you knows as much as you can. Now, some people don't. Don't agree with that. Some people think you know that just leave them in there. That's how you normally speak. That's how you know you communicate. that should be okay. I can go either way with that. I think it's it's okay if you want to help like maybe your guest maybe doesn't speak that well, maybe make him sound better. Uh, what's your thought on that, Jared?
1: I think that you can have, uh, a lot of editing if you're constantly trying to edit out every single thing, but I like your point, Rob, if you've got a guest, uh, you want that guest to, to be proud of the show, they're more likely to, uh, share that and talk about that if they sound really good on the show. And sometimes that takes a little bit of editing, but we have that option, right? So I fall on the uh, I think I fall on the side of use your best judgment what, what's gonna keep you consistent in putting out your show If editing's gonna cause you to have a delay then then maybe you don't need to remove it but uh, be sensitive to the people that you're um, bringing on the show and, and featuring because they're likely to to share it and, and talk about it if they sound good.
0: I agree 100% it's it's hard enough to get uh, guests to uh, socially share. Um, like you were talking about before, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that can be. <laughs> yeah. And also to ignore and ban trolls. So if you have trolls in your podcast, if you do a podcast long enough, you're going to pick up some trolls, people that are you know negative towards your show or wanting to, to bash you on Twitter or whatever about your program. Um, just kind of ignore them, focus on the the positive people that are involved in, in giving you feedback on your show and don't, don't take it personally.
1: Rob, would you be willing to share a story where you had to deal with a troll?
0: You know, it's been so long since I've had a troll. I actually, I had, I had a bunch of them back in my days, um, doing my nationally syndicated, uh, radio show that I did, um, back, back in like the mid two thousands. Uh, you know, uh, I had some topics on my show that were controversial like I had a guest on from PETA, the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals on, on my show and they were uh, they kind of riled up my I don't know, my listener base quite a bit based on differing opinions on tactics, right PETA and you know some of these animal rights organizations can be pretty aggressive. They're almost like rights terrorists almost, right that they'll come mm. in and destroy farms or they'll do something that's pretty that's you know, borderline you know, not legal. And so it, it kind of stirs up a lot of emotions. And I got a lot of people trolling me for, for having this person on and how could I do this? And my comment back on all that was, you know, it, person is giving me negative feedback, but he's also listening. <laughs> mm. So you kind of have to, you know, take it with a grain of salt. You have to realize that part of your job as a broadcaster is to get people to think and to get people to engage with you. Uh, and it can be good or bad, but you don't want to bash them back. I think that's a big mistake. You always want to be nice to everyone as a, as a podcast um, host um, and, and just treat people with respect, irregardless of how they treat you.
1: Rob, do you subscribe to the idea that uh, feedback, whether it's from a troll or someone else, is still helpful?
0: Oh, definitely. I think, like, I'm hoping to get a lot of feedback on this show, like, you know, about the format, about how we do the show. And I will take that feedback and decide, you know, to make changes to the show. And that's part of this format that I have today um, came from my broadcast radio days and all the feedback that I got from... Hundreds of thousands of listeners that were listening to my show that would send in comments and emails about the format. Like they wanted to know um, up front, fairly upfront, what the topics were, right, that we were going to talk about in the show. People like to know fairly soon in the show. I mean, I probably should have done it earlier in the show than even what I did um, so people can decide if they want to keep listening or not. It, just form, just little things like that that you can pick up from your audience to help you make a better program. The next one is, uh, Kevin said, is you don't have to be a total expert on your topic. Just know how to ask the question or know how to, to talk about it, right? To get other people to talk about it, I think, is the, is the big message here. But I, I would say that it helps to be an expert. In the 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 genre area that you are trying to cover with your podcast, I, I think it helps the audience get value out of it.
1: I, I would say do your homework too. I mean, uh, you may not be the expert, but there's nothing stopping you from from reading up on the topic or or having um, you know some good advice from people on it. And and that just I think adds more perceived credibility to what you're talking about if if you've done a little bit of homework. I don't think that's asking too much, especially if you want to benefit your audience.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And another one here is, uh, you don't have to have a radio voice.
1: I would say you don't have to have a radio voice, but you, you want to, uh, you want to have a voice that people enjoy listening to.
0: <laughs> no, I agree. I think it, it, that is important. To some extent, I, though I've I've known many podcasters that have achieved pretty good success, but they they don't have a, a great radio voice. I don't know if you can think of any yourself. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I have a lot of friends that have really good voices, but then I I know, like I think of my high school teacher, and she just had this voice that I, I just couldn't listen to on a podcast. Um, and and maybe like that Charlie Brown teacher, right? I mean, if you're mon- monotone, and you know, I mean, people want that. Uh, uh, voice to have a little variety into it, uh, into it and, and uh, keep it fresh and, and slow down your your rhythm you know yeah, I, I like the the podcasts that kind of think that way and and use their voice that way so yeah and a lot of that can be learned rob so you may not feel like you have a radio voice but over time and through practice you can get better at it
0: oh yeah i think you do i think you kind of kind of learn how to to speak and and what the the process is and how you have to think about it uh it's it's a different kind of skill i mean i I do a lot of panels, and I do a lot of public speaking too, and I find it to be um, similar but quite different. I, I always seem to have a lot more, um, there's a lot more focus for me when I'm live on stage than when I'm behind a mic in my, my office or something like that. It's, it's just not, it's, it's more challenging to get. It's kind of like, yeah, I played, played basketball in college, and it was always easier for me to get psyched about getting out on, on the court in front of thousands of people to play a basketball game. I mean, if I was like playing in the gym and there wasn't anybody else, you know, in the <laughs> gym, it's it's a little hard to get more, you know, to get excited about it, right? Um, so I think it's similar. It's a performance, right? You have to get out there and, and, and perform. The next one here is setting up to take calls can add a fun dynamic. Um, I, I agree 100%. I would love to take calls on this program. Maybe there's a way I can do it. I don't know for sure. The question is, is, is anybody going to call in?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I was talking to Nick Joso. he does CN- CLNS radio and a lot of his shows are about Boston sports and he was talking about how he'd do a Boston sports show like the Celtics but somebody would always call in and want to talk about Duke basketball and <laughs> you, you just don't know what you're getting you might get some uh, some interesting people but there's folks that might enjoy that opportunity to call into your show Rob. because if they tried to call into a radio show they'd have 20 seconds that's if they get selected so adding a call element could be kind of a fun thing to test uh what are some um what are some different ways people can call in to a podcast i don't know of any uh tools or or different uh apps or anything that are available to do that but i haven't really investigated that what do you recommend
0: i think that you could you could do it over skype i mean you could um schedule those i mean so you could probably offer up to have people send you an email if they want to to come on the show and maybe you schedule them to come on at a certain time during, during your program. There, there probably is technology out there. I, I, I haven't tried to enable that capability. I know that there, there are some companies working on that, right, to, to enable that more in podcasts um, to be able to take, you know, the traditional type caller. But is it going to be done over an app, uh, like a Skype app or something similar to that? I, I, I think that could be the, the better solution.
1: Um, I would be willing to try it if, if and when you know, it's available. I think that'd be fun.
0: Yeah, I do know that uh, David Jackson uh, does it with his uh, speaker show that he does live on Saturday mornings. He's figured out, well, I have to ask him how how he's doing that. So it'd be cool to, to, to get that set up here. So the next thing Kevin said is odds suggest that you won't get famous being a podcaster.
1: <laughs> I disagree with that, Rob. I think you are super famous <laughs> oh no, well, that it's, it's not about
0: me here it's it's will will most people get famous you may get famous to your community or you may get known in your community by doing a podcast as far as worldwide fame like a huge celebrity, probably not um but that's okay though right. I mean that's what podcasting is a very personal medium like you want to reach the people that are following you, and that's 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 where you get your maybe two minutes of fame instead of 15 minutes of fame. Well, and
1: podcasting adds credibility, too. I mean, people hear you're a podcaster and they think, okay, this person's doing something uh, doing something credible. And I've been able to get guests on the, the show that I had uh, just because I said, hey, I have a podcast. And, and there were people that were willing to be a guest on the show simply because I had a podcast. So it's gotten me speaking opportunities. It's actually opened up a lot of doors being a podcaster. So, what, yeah, it may not be instant fame, but it can produce uh, what some people consider credibility. You know, to what you're up to.
0: No, I agree. I I agree 100% with all that because that's that's been my experience as well. The other comment that Kevin made too was your show icon and intro and show photos should be professionally done of high quality. What's your comments on that?
1: I think it's so easy these days to get reasonable artwork, uh, whether it's uh, paid or just someone in your network that's a good artist (laughs) that enjoys sharing their art. I think, uh, you know, don't settle for anything. It's just kind of simple. If nothing else, go on your Facebook and say, here's my artwork. Do you like it? Do you have any recommendations? And get that feedback and then consider applying what people say. That's one thing that's free, Rob, is an an opinion. You can always ask for an opinion. People will be willing to share it, I think.
0: That's right. People like to... To share their experiences and their thoughts. And uh, and I think that's key to a podcaster's success is to tap into that. And then the number nine uh, comment that that Kevin made was to to make your intro less than 30 seconds. I kind of feel that way too. I mean, like this show that, that we did here, my intro was about... Maybe eight, eight or nine seconds. So people want to get into the content right away. They they don't want to be delayed.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I've heard a lot of examples of where they they didn't do thirty seconds and it just felt long-winded and it kind of uh, it kind of helped me to lose interest. And by the time it got to the core, it, it felt like I had to work for it. And yeah, I think thirty seconds is probably a, a reasonable. Um, that's a reasonable place to start and stay within it, within your intro.
0: Yeah, and and maybe shorter than even thirty yep. seconds would be my thought. Oh, in his final comment, Kevin's final comment was here. Don't repeat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I'm not you're sure saying, what that <laughs> means, but yeah.
1: Unless you're saying Rob Greenlee is famous, and you say Kevin Kiersad, you know, has good advice, then those things are probably good, okay to say over and over.
0: Yeah, I think so. that's the thing that comes comes to mind as I think about that is is as podcasters, you start moving down this path of doing a like a fairly specific topic show, and it's easy to get kind of um, get to a point like maybe after seven or eight episodes, which is typical pod fade number is about seven episodes is when uh, a lot of podcasters stop producing podcasts because they basically run out of things to say (laughs) Yep. as far as topics to cover about about a particular topic, right? There's a little bit of danger that that could happen even with this show is that we're talking about podcasting so much that you have to start digging deeper and deeper into the the well of things to actually talk about, and I think that there there is fairly unlimited things to talk about in podcasting um, that, that are going on all the time. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. We actually spent uh, a lot of time talking about your your comment back. Uh, that's Kevin Kierstead, and if you want to go check out his podcast, is Truth on Tap at Spreaker. And Kevin, thank you so much for the comment. And that's the kind of coverage that we'll give to just about everybody that sends us an email and a comment. So we'll do the best I can to cover as many as we can. So we've gone a little long, Jared, but let's move into our conversation that I had with Bertrand Picuri, uh, who's the CEO of Gen Summit, which is going on right now in uh, Barcelona, Spain. It's prototyping the future of news. It's happening June 17th through the 19th. And uh, let's let's go ahead and play that interview right now. Bertrand, thank you for calling and joining us on Spreaker Live Show. So it's great to speak with you. I'm hearing some great things about a conference that you're doing back in Barcelona, Spain here on June 17th through the 19th called the Gen Summit. I guess it's uh, it's part of the global editors network that you, you run, I guess. You're focused on looking at the future of news and journalism. So uh, why don't you tell us, tell us a little bit more about that? I know Spreaker's involved, our CEO is going to to be on a panel talking about podcasting at your event. But if you could kind of give us a little bit of a rundown on what's happening at the event and, you know, how many years the event's been around and what the focus of it is.
2: Uh, Indeed. I'm very happy to partner with Spreaker. So good thing for us and hopefully good thing for you. Uh, What we are doing uh, at GEN, Global Editors Network, it is we gather around uh, 1,500 editors in chief worldwide from more than 80 countries. So it's a network. Not it's not a network of It's a network of editors in chief. What uh, we considered that um, with the constraints of business models, it was very important not to have only associations of publishers and managers but as an association of editor-in-chief where we can speak about content, how to produce good content, content to the audiences. And is, uh, the role of Jen. And, uh, Jen uh, was born in 2011, and we always focus on the future of news. For instance, we are in Europe, we are based in Europe, so... Half of the members are European, uh, one-fourth uh, in the Americas, but mostly in Latin America, not in uh, North uh, America, and, and the rest, uh, Africa and Asia. So, uh, for instance, uh, we were the first to speak about drone journalism three years ago. Uh, we had a full conference dedicated to how to use drone for journalism. Last year, we focused on the robot journalism it was uh, quite interesting with narrative science and other um, american startups because in europe nobody heard about uh, robot journalism automated journalism and this year we are focusing on virtual reality augmented reality and wearables and uh, mostly with uh, uh, researchers, uh, from the West coast. Uh, we are welcoming, uh, Robert Hernandez and, uh, Noni De La Pena from, uh, USC Annenberg. And so it's, uh, and also, uh, people from the design school, uh, USC Annenberg. So it, it is mostly about this new trend, uh, gamification of news, how to use uh, virtual reality for, uh, for news.
0: Yeah. Those are really, really cutting edge topics. There's no question, you know, the, the whole wearables movement and how that's going to impact how, you know, news and journalism is consumed. Augmented reality, it's a little hard to understand how that might in the long term, you know, have an impact on news and journalism. That would be r- really, really interesting to kind of explore that at your event. But I also see that you have a podcasting set about audio storytelling. So Spreaker is an audio distribution platform and we focus, you know, pretty pretty extensively on, on podcasting. What's the the role of podcasting do you you see in journalism and what's happening you know across. Europe and the world?
2: Uh, I think there are, there are very different levels uh, compared to the US and Europe and Africa. And, and we are very surprised to have a, a, a very successful podcast in Africa uh, because it was uh, easy to, to, to listen uh, through a very simple mobile phones. And so uh, it was, it is very successful in Africa, much less in Europe and compared to uh, what happened in the U.S. with cereals, uh, and with, uh, for instance, we will uh, invite uh, Anna Shevis. Uh, she will be a speaker here in Europe and I think it, it is one of the first times she's speaking in, in Europe. Um, we are uh, welcoming also uh, a company called Bobbler uh, that just uh, launched a, a new service called Leap um, and uh, it. Is uh, um, the contrary of a Dubmash. Uh, so you can, uh, you can, uh, it's exactly the contrary of a dub mash, And in France, it was the first app to be downloaded in, in the last two weeks. It's very uh, successful. And, and it means for us that uh, sound voices are very important. That uh, it's not everything about video not everything about images, but uh, there is a a strong comeback of sound and voices in the news uh, environment. And so it is uh, what we want to show at the Gen Summit uh, this week.
0: So the audio storytelling part of it, I mean, that's that's really what um, news and journalism is all about is telling telling stories and it seems like podcasting enables kind of longer form storytelling is that kind of where where you see it going um, with journalism is that it's able to, to expand on the news that maybe is a little bit more uh, or shorter or more concise in uh, a written form
2: uh, I think it will be um, you will have very short pieces okay. I took this example of leap or of uh, bubbler bubble it is 14 seconds so as uh, it is very short and it works uh, because you need to to share with people your emotions and so 14 seconds is enough uh, for for that you can cry you can uh, uh, shout You, you it's it's really about emotion more than news clearly uh, emotion not news but you have the long form uh, the long form stories and and here uh, i think the uh, the real outcome will be about uh, investigative journalism uh, some when you are interested in drug traffic when you are interested in uh, climate change, you are ready to, 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 to read a lot, uh, a lot of pieces. And in the same time, you are ready to listen to, to, to a lot of uh, stories uh, done by experts. And so uh, it's uh, yes, we, we, uh, but we are still hesitating about uh, how, Podcasts and uh, this kind of uh, story can take place uh, within uh, the, the, the news environment. So it's uh, we will have a, a, a very interesting debate uh, about that. And uh, I I have, at the moment, I have not uh, a fixed position. <laughs> there
0: you go. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a wide open area. I think it's still a young medium. It's only only been around for about 10 years. You know, I think how it's being used and utilized around the world, still being kind of explored and experimented with. And, and uh, I think it has a big future. I think people are going to be more and more voice activated in what they do with their computers and their devices. So... Audio is, is, I think, going to come to the forefront of, of how people communicate um, with their devices and, and, and also learn. There's more places that you can consume audio than there is video, so it so makes sense. Bertrand, it was great to, to have you on Spreaker Live and to learn about the Gen Summit. What's going on in Barcelona, Spain? Prototyping the future of news on uh, June seventeenth and nineteenth. Our CEO Francesco is going to be on your panel. The panel is called "Podcasting: The Next Generation of Audio Storytelling." So uh, it should be a, a great experience for him. And, and it's been great to speak with you all the way from Paris. Thank you for, <laughs> for, for joining me.
2: Thank you, Rob. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. Okay. That was the that was the interview that we had with. Bertrand, I appreciate you listening. Jared, thank you for for joining us on the show this week.
1: Oh, huge honor, Rob. I really appreciate this.
0: And so if you wanted to give us some feedback on the show, like I've been asking for throughout the show here, is send an email to, to me if you want to, uh, rob at spreaker.com. That's R-O-B at spreaker.com. Or you can send it to podcasts at spreaker.com. Uh, or to Twitter at Spreaker and just use the hashtag Spreaker Live. And we're in we're iTunes, so go, go subscribe and get us every week right, right here. So, Jared, thank you so much. And so, what's the best way for people to find out about podcast movement and, and your podcast?
1: Well, podcastmovement.com. If podcasting interests you, uh, you want to check that out. Even if you are in Europe or you're listening to this somewhere other than the North America, we have a virtual pass that you can check out. Um, there's a lot of different opportunities that are coming up. Podcast Movement is definitely something to have on your radar as a podcaster. So uh, podcastmovement.com, Rob. And then, yeah, if you're uh, running out of episodes of the Speaker Live show and you're looking for one more show to kind of – Uh, Check out, I have a podcast called Starve the Doubts. You're welcome to take a listen to that as well, but only after you've listened to all of Rob's shows with the Spreaker Live. Uh, Thank you again, Rob.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. So what's the what's the topics that you cover on your your podcast? Uh,
1: so we have various guests on the show, and, and they talk about a variety of topics that help people um, with whatever they're working on in terms of their, their goals. Uh, just recently, we had a young, a young lady who came on and talked about how she can help you to captivate the room if you're a speaker. And then we've had people come on and, and talk about how uh, video games actually teach leadership principles. I mean, there's just a variety of different guests who come on the show and talk about from you know, a lot of different things. But at its core, it's people who have a vision or have a dream for what they want to pursue and how they're, they're going after that and uh, talking through that process.
0: So what you're trying to do with your show, it's, it's starve the doubts, which is basically push away any doubts about what you're going to do in, in the future and just go for it. Is that the, the whole theme behind it?
1: yeah it's all about overcoming self-doubt but at the same time you, you get to meet some interesting characters and some folks who are um they're navigating that and having some wins and they share those wins and that has encouraged a lot of people rob i wouldn't consider my show to be a huge show but but people who listen to it have walked away uh, feeling inspired and, and starting to ask themselves the question of, of what are some things that i could do uh, that might be a little bit bigger that uh, i just haven't tried in the past because i thought maybe that's something i couldn't pull off but uh we see some really cool wins uh, ever since we've launched the show and like like I said, it's over two years now, over 200 episodes, and uh, no stopping now. We've enjoyed it.
0: Podcast Movement is at podcastmovement.com, and that's July 31st through August 2nd in uh, Fort Worth. Definitely, if you can attend, it's going to be well worth it if you're a podcaster and have a passion for the space. And both Jared and I will actually be there in attendance, and we would love to... To meet you, come up and shake our hand and say hi.
1: Spreaker will be represented and broadcasting live. Am I saying that wrong, Rob? No, that's no, my understanding.
0: That's, that's the plan. I mean, so we have to live up to that name, Spreaker Live, where everywhere we go, we have to <laughs> do it live. That's what the platform does. It enables a podcaster to be kind of like a broadcaster. We actually use real streaming technology. On the, uh, on the back end, like we're doing right now with this show. And that show that I'm producing will automatically become a podcast on the platform. So actually, that capability is kind of unusual in the podcasting space today. But uh, Jared, thank you so much for coming on and spending so much of your time today.
1: Oh, thank you again, Rob. I really enjoyed it.